and uh, we'll do the best we can to get you out of here after all the other church folks have already gone through line at the restaurant. <laughs> Amen? So all I can say is you're welcome. First <laughs> Samuel 14. It's been good to be here today. Yeah. It's been good. First Samuel 14, look if you would at verse number 36. And uh, I'm skipping a lot of history about the man Saul. I'm not going to get into all of it this morning. I don't have time for that. But what I do want to say is that Saul is the first king of Israel. And what Saul represents is Saul represents the, the old man. Saul represents the old life. Saul represents our human nature, our desire to do things our way. And what we tend to do at times, even as believers, listen, when you get saved, you're kind of schizo. Amen? Amen. All right, you got the old man that's there, and then you got the new man, and like one minute you're like, no, I shouldn't do that. Yeah, let's go do it, you know, and, and, and like this Holy Spirit of God is telling you, no, it's a bad direction. You're like, yeah, that's right, and I, but I want it anyways, right? And you fight that all the time, and so Saul represents the, the choice of the people. Saul represents what I want to get out of life on my own, and uh, notice here in 1 Samuel 14, look if you would at verse number 36, and Saul said, let us go down after the Philistines by night and spoil them until the morning light. Let me just encourage you to do two things with me, if you would, this morning. Number one, I'm going to encourage you to turn your phones off. Uh, and number two, I'm going to encourage you to be still and hear the word of the Lord. One of the things that Samuel tells Saul is to be still and hear the word of the Lord. Why? Because by nature, we're not still, all right? So let's do that this morning. Verse 36, and the Bible says, uh, let us not leave a man of them. This is Saul's plan. And they said, do whatsoever seemeth good unto thee. Then said the priest, not Saul. Saul was like, hey, what do you guys think? And they're like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go, let's go fight these bad guys. And the priest said, let us draw near hither unto God. And Saul, verse 37, asked counsel of God. Shall I go down after the Philistines? Wilt thou deliver them into the hand of Israel? That's a good thing to do is to ask God for direction, isn't it? But I want you to look at the last sentence in verse 37. But he, God, answered him, Saul, not that day. And Saul said, draw ye near hither, all the chief of the people, and know and see wherein this sin hath been this day. And Saul gets busy trying to find out who the troublemaker is. And I think Saul kind of misses out on the fact that it might be him. God did not answer Saul that day. And there was a lesson in that for Saul. There's a lesson in it for us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And uh, Brother uh, Steon, if you would ask God's blessing on the word as we get into it. Amen. Be seated. Let me, let me just ask this question. It's not a trick question. It's not a gotcha question. Uh, who here wants to hear from God today? Yeah. 
All right, let me just say this. If all that you did, this, this religion does this. Let's go listen to some guy talk and tell us what it is that God wants us to know. Listen, that's not what this is. This is God. If you're in the Bible, you know what this is supposed to be? God, the creator of the universe, speaking through a human vessel, not because this is what this guy thinks, but this is what God says for your life. Those are two different things. And you as a child of God, you should desire to hear from God. Uh, and listen, the Bible says, if you go back to the very beginning of Genesis, uh, uh, the Bible says, God said, let there be light, and there was light. You know you learn about God from the very beginning, the very beginning of the book of the, uh, of the Bible? You learn that God is a communicator. God is a revealer of himself to mankind. If you go through Genesis 1, God said, God called, God said, God called. Uh, think about this. When Jesus Christ is given, we, we see his title revealed from eternity past. The title given to him is the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made manifest, uh, was, was made flesh. You say, what does that mean? What that means is this, God wants to reveal himself to mankind. You've got no Bible without the revelation of God. You've got, you've got no Christian faith without the revelation of God. You've got no stories from which to glean and to get hope from the Old Testament without God revealing himself to people. The Bible says the things are written aforetime. That means written in the Old Testament. They're written for our learning. Why? That we might find comfort and hope in them. You get no comfort and you get no hope if God doesn't reveal himself to mankind way back then. You've got nothing on which to lean on. Listen, guys, you know what most religions are? It's God showing up to one guy, and uh, in their mind, uh, God showing up to one guy, and, and one guy saying, okay, guys, this is everything God wants you to know, and you have to come through me to get it. The Bible's not that way. God shows up to all kinds of people on three continents over thousands of years of time, and God says, I'm alive, and I'm real, and I'll put it down in a book so you can know what my thoughts are. Isn't that a blessing? You don't have to guess who God is. You can know God by, by scoring over the pages of that book. And, and yet in the Christian life, you know this, there are times when it seems like you pick up the Bible and, and verses are jumping up off the page and you come to church like, oh, that's so good. I'm taking notes on everything. That, man, some of you, sometimes God, it just seems like God is moving so much in your life that somebody gets up and sings a song and you've got enough sermon from that song. Like, man, I'm ready to go home. That was so good. And then there's other days where it's just like dry. And it seems like, Lord, why aren't you saying anything? And, and can I say this? Man needs communication and direction from God. Amen. You see that way back in the garden. You know what you learn from the, the very beginning of creation? God is a communicator. Man needs that communication. And you learn very quickly that, that man needs relationship and communication. And it's a, it's a two-way thing. It's not just man speaking to God. It's God speaking to man as well. But it's also this way and this way. You, you see what are you talking about, preacher? God gives Adam everything that he wants. He gives him the task of naming the animals. I, I wonder if, if one day, way back there in Genesis chapter 2, the Lord walks by and he goes, Adam, how you doing? I'm good. You know. Oh, what's going on? I'm just naming the animals, you know, just the usual stuff. Well, Adam, what's wrong? I don't know. I just feel kind of lonely. You know? Adam, you got everything you want, and you still feel lonely. Why? Because there's something in us that desires communication and relationship. And so what does God do? God gives him a wife. And what you learn is this, though. The thing gets wonky this way because the communication stopped going this way. And everything fell apart this way when things fell apart this way. 
And, and can I just suggest to you that God did not make you to be a lone wolf. I love it when I, you know, meet someone, they, they come to church, you know, and they tell me about, you know, all their great exploits for God. And I say, hey, you go to church and we're like, nah, none of them believe it good enough. You know, I, I know all this stuff and no one else knows as much as I. It's almost like, let's all bow before this person. And let us profess that we know nothing and they know everything. Uh, listen, let me tell you, God did not make you to be that way as a Christian. God made you to desire fellowship, number one, with God, and secondly, with his people. All right, God, God made us for that. God made us for community and for fellowship with him and with one another. However, let's be honest, there are times in our lives where it just seems like, I pick up the Bible and it's just not the same, and, and, and it just seems like I come to church and it's not the same, and the temptation during those times is to say there's something wrong with the Bible, or there's something wrong with God, or there's something wrong with the church, instead of looking inwardly and saying, God, what's going on between us? Amen. Every once in a while, you ought to ask yourself, Lord, am I, am I getting a little bit of a silent treatment because maybe there's something that's off between us? I'm not talking about a silent treatment simply because God wants to punish you and God wants you to have guilt. And by the way, guilt and conviction are not the same. I talk to Christians all the time. They go, I just feel guilty. Okay, brother, tell me what happened. Well, 25 years ago, it's like, bro, it's under the blood. Let it go. Guilt is this burden that you carry around and you don't even know what to do with it. You just feel bad for something that's in your past. Conviction is where the Holy Spirit of God goes, that's the problem. Here's how to fix it. Do it. Those are two different things. And some Christians walk around with guilt and that's not healthy for you as a believer. Let me tell you right now, God does not want you under that. But he does want you to learn to take inventory every once in a while. And sometimes... The Lord is silent. You know, I, I think about the, the, the story of Lazarus. And what do his sisters say? Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died, right? Uh, the brother just told the story about those two sisters. Question, where was God? You know what you think of God? Oh, hold on. Hold on, hold on. You know what you think? God should have smitten those men dead on the spot. He was quiet. Can I ask you a question? Where was God when you were making a mess of things in your own life? And you were blaspheming his name and mocking him and making a mess of the Christian life that he's blessed you with. Where was God? You know what? You better learn to appreciate, sometimes learn to appreciate the silence of God. We know we want, we want God to speak all the time. Let me just tell you, God's not a genie in the lamp. God's not someone you pull and go, okay, God, here's my problem. Go. <laughs> Every once in a while, listen, quit treating God like a, a slot machine at, at Vegas or up at Blackhawk uh, Casino thing. That's not what God is. God's not there to just show up when you want him to be there. God is always going to be there in the life of a child of God. He will never leave you nor forsake you. His silence does not equate to his absence. But there are some lessons you can learn from it. We sang the song a little bit earlier, Arise, my soul, arise, shake off thy guilty fears. The bleeding sacrifice in my behalf appears. Behold, uh, before the throne, my surety stands. Before the throne. You say, what is that? It's a reference to the fact that I can go to God as a child. If you're a born-again child of God, this is awesome. You can go to God. Over in the Old Testament, there's a story about a, a young lady named Esther and, and the king of Hazarus. He, he, she goes into that king unannounced. And in the Persian culture at that time, if you came in unannounced and the king didn't want you there, it could be off with your head. 
You know what, you know what Ahasuerus does? He points that scepter towards her and he says, come on in. Let me just tell you right now, if you're a child of God, the scepter's always pointed towards you. You have access to come before him and you can boldly approach that throne of grace. But can I say this? There are times where you will go to God and say, Lord, what do you think? And you're like, and you know what the Lord says? You know, what a cruel God. Uh, not always what you think. You know what God does? God, God's silence is there sometimes for your good. Look at our passage. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 14. And can, I, can I just point out to you that the first time, before we get into the passage, before the first time the word repentance shows up in your Bible or the reference to anyone repenting shows up, do you, do you know what, who it is that repents? It's not man. It's God. God repented that he made man. I mean, look. When you make God change his mind about something, something's bad wrong. You know what God did? He looked at mankind, and he basically saw where man was, and he said, man, this is an absolute mess. It is so bad that because of where it's at today, I cannot look at creation. I cannot see that, and I, can, I cannot look at it and say, man, I'm happy about what I did. I want to change my mind. I want to turn from the, the, what I was uh, uh, doing in regards to making man. I am, I am sorry that I made man. That's a big deal. Now, can I say this? Repentance does not always mean of sin. Hear me out. God can't sin. God doesn't sin. So when God repented, you know what he did? He changed his mind on something. I was telling my kids, you cannot change your actions if you don't change your mind. Now, when we need to repent, oftentimes there's sin involved. But, but let me just say this. Repentance does not mean I quit every bad habit that I've ever done, and therefore it's true repentance. You know what it starts with? It starts right here. And it goes right here. You say, what is it? It is a matter of changing my mind and my heart towards what God said. And can I just suggest that sometimes in our passage, you know what God does? God doesn't speak to Saul that day. You know what I think the Lord wanted to do with Saul? And maybe if I just don't respond right away, he'll start to wonder. He'll start to think, you know, there's some things in my life that aren't where they're supposed to be. You know, you know, I'll say it this way. Sometimes God is silent for your repentance. And you go, oh, because God just wants you to grovel. No, no, because the direction that you're going in isn't best for you. <laughs> and your heavenly father says, look, if I just become the genie in the lamp for you, you won't learn the lesson. There are times where God is silent and God is quiet and he doesn't respond right away. Why? Because he wants us to see the direction in which we're going. Listen, when God shows up and reveals himself, that's a blessing in and of itself, whether we like the message or not. And sometimes the Lord is silent. You say, why? Well, Saul didn't learn the lesson. See, how do you know? Look at the next chapter. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel chapter 15. You say, what happens? God tells him in so many words, I want you to go in. I want you to take care of business. I want you to wipe out the Amalekites. You know the story. He doesn't do it. Look, if you would, down at verse number, uh, verse number 26. Verse number 26. And you know what Samuel does? Samuel approaches Saul and says, Saul, what are you doing? 
I can hear the sheep. I still hear them. Your, your sin is, 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 is out in the open. I can see what you did. You didn't do what God told you to do. It's kind of like a Christian when God tells them, this is what I want you to do, and a Christian goes halfway. And then they blame other people that they didn't go all the way. You know what that is? Partial obedience, we tell our kids, is disobedience. You know what it is when you say, I think I'll do what God wants me to do, but I'll do it my own way. You know what you're saying to God? I don't need you. And then when God doesn't answer, you're mad at him. Think through that. God says, I want you to get all the way in. Lord, I'll get partially in. And then by the way, when I don't do what you said, I want you to be cool about it. Let me tell you right now. You know what blows my mind? Some of you have a hard time with this concept. And listen, when your kids don't listen to you, you get frustrated. And yet here's the creator of the universe that gets your heart, uh, your heart pumping every day, your mind still functioning, your oxygen flowing. You don't do what he says. And you go, God, I don't get it. What's the big deal? Hey, I'm talking. Hey, aren't you? listen the Lord's like yeah we're not on the same page yet look what happens here in verse 26 Samuel said to Saul I will not return with thee for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord I didn't reject it I did it partially God saw it as a full rejection look at verse 27 and as Samuel turned about to go away he laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle and it rent and Samuel said unto him, Saul, the Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day and hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. Let me ask you a question real quick. If somebody goes, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I know he died for my sins. I know he was buried. I know that he rose again. Uh, but uh, I'm not going to ask him to be my savior. Do they go to heaven or hell? Well, it sounds to me like they partially like, did what God wanted them to acknowledge. So close and yet so far. And yet you as a child of God, God says, here's what I want you to do. And you go, well, yeah, but what are they going to think? And what are they going to say? And what about this? And what about that? You know what you do well to do? Stop doing the what ifs as a Christian. And just go, Lord, if that's the direction you want, I'll do that. I'll do that. You know what Saul does? Saul goes, hey, 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 uh, Lord, uh, look, look, I, I want everything to look like it's okay on the outside. Look if you would at verse number uh, 29. Also, the strength of Israel will not lie nor repent, for he is not a man that he should repent. Then he said, I have sinned. Oh, it looks good. <laughs> look at the next thing. <laughs> look what he says. Yet, yet honor me now. Can we just like, you know, fast forward? Just as I am with them. Okay, all right, okay, all right, let's go, let's go. And, and Saul doesn't, there's no repentance there. You know what he wants? Everybody, we're still good. I'm still good. I'm still, everything's still okay. Honor me now before the people. There was no repentance there. You know what he wants? Just to smooth it over. Can I, can I point out? Go to chapter 28. I'll skip a lot of Saul's life for sake of time. First Samuel chapter number 28. Can I encourage you as a Christian to have your own relationship with God? And what I mean by that is this. If the only time you hear from God is at church, there's going to come a time in your life where you are not going to know what to do. I think you should hear from God at church. We, we talked about that over the last several weeks. There's, that, that's a good thing. God should speak to you in a special way here. But, but can I say it like this? If I die tomorrow, God's still alive. Amen. Amen. 
if I kick the bucket, get hit by a bus, you know what ought to happen? Your Christian life should go on. Why? Samuel, look at, verse, look at 1 Samuel 28. If you see there, you know what it says? Samuel is now dead. And now Samuel's dead. Samuel is the one that was trying to get Saul's attention because God's trying to get Saul's attention through this preacher. And now Samuel's out of the way. And Saul's kind of like, well, Samuel's dead. And you know what the Bible says here? The Bible says that, that Saul, uh, because of where his relationship was at with the Lord, look at verse number uh, uh, three. Samuel was dead and all Israel had lamented him and buried him in Ramah, even in his own city. And Saul had put away those that had familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. Uh, go down, if you would, at verse number five. When Saul saw the host of the Philistines, you know what that is? Trouble. A battle coming his way. The Bible says he was afraid and his heart greatly trembled. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord what? Now he tried everything. And they say, well, why was God so mean to him? You know what's interesting? I don't, you don't have to go there. But two chapters later, there's a story about a man named David. And David goes, Lord, should I pursue after this troop? And God says, yep. You think God's just being, you know, God's, God's got his people he likes and there's people he doesn't like. You know what it boils down to? David had a heart that was willing to go, okay, Lord, I'm listening. Okay, Lord, I'll turn. Okay, Lord, I'll allow you to speak to me. Okay, Lord, it wasn't my way or else. You know what some Christians want? They want God on their terms. You do. You do. I'll give you an example. The Bible says you ought to discipline, train your children. You know what some Christians will do? Yeah, that's old-fashioned. I won't do that. And then, like, when your kid's 16, 17, 18 years old, you go, I don't know what's going on with my kid. I can tell you what's going on with your kid. You listen to preaching for years that said, hey, your kid's being a brat, and you need to address it, and you need to, oh, how dare you? My kids are brats, too. Good night. Quit looking at me like that. My kids are brats. Listen, every one of us is a brat without direction. We are human beings that want what we want. And listen, some tyrants are 40 years old and some tyrants can't even speak yet. You know, little Johnny's kicking someone. Oh, what's wrong, Johnny? Johnny needs a butt whooping. That's what's wrong with Johnny. Oh, I can't believe you said it's going to go on the internet. You're going to, fine, whatever. The reality is the book says if you spare that rod, boy, you will spoil that child. And you go, well, I'll do it my way. Fine, do it your way. But do not say God isn't talking to me. I don't know what to do with my kid. I'll tell you what happened. You shut the book. And you said, I'll do it my way. And then you go, God's not speaking. I'll tell you why he's not speaking to you. Because you don't want to listen to what he has to say. You know what I've learned? People go, I just can't, you know, I can't get any, I just, I'm just drying on, dying on the vine, and I, I'm going to a church, and I'm just not getting anything from the Word of God. You know what I love? When people say that, I always stop and go, let me ask you a question. Uh, let me see your notes from the last sermon. Oh, I don't take any. Oh, really? Oh, so you don't, you don't write anything down, you don't put anything in your heart, you know, and you're saying you're not getting fed. Do you think maybe what it boils down to, here's a classic one. I just couldn't get any counsel in my church. Oh, you mean your pastor's been preaching for 40 years, couldn't figure anything out for you? And you had to talk to a sister on the other side of the country who doesn't know your story on Facebook? Because you, you see, you know what that is? That's you getting what you want. And going, well, God's not talking. You know what that is? No, Lord, uh, I can't, I'm, you're not talking, so I'm going to go to a familiar spirit. You know what a familiar spirit is? It's me going through another medium outside of God's channel for truth in my life and saying, I want what I want, and you're going to justify it. 
when someone comes and asks me, preacher, what do you think about this? Well, here's what the Bible says. Well, what should I do? Well, what does the Bible say? <laughs> you, you, let me tell you right now, guys, uh, right now, you need to understand this. I cannot be God for anyone. Amen. You better have your own walk with God. And you know what you need to learn to do when God's kind of, maybe every once in a while take some inventory and say, maybe it's me. You hear the preacher get up and talk about giving. I'm not, I didn't even do it today. Don't, it's all on your wallets, kids, all right? Uh, I, I, I don't, I can't remember the last time I preached a sermon on tithing. I, you go online, go check it out. It's going to be at least a year. So don't you always talking about money. No, no, no. Here's what I know, though. You will go only so far in your walk with God until the point where you say, I don't want to hear anymore. And then you go, he's not talking. Maybe he's not talking because, listen, let's be honest. When someone wants to debate with me, you know what I say? No, thanks. <laughs> Why would I waste my breath on someone that just wants to fight with me? Do you, and look, I'm a fallen version of that. Do you understand? God's not going to be like, oh, the creator of the universe, let me justify myself in your sight because, after all, you make some great points, Richard, and I never thought about those things. And, and yeah, let's do, that's not how God operates. He's reasonable. Say, so come let us reason together. But if you want to debate with God on why your way is better than his, he's not going to do it. You know what he might do? He might just withdraw a little bit. And that spirit of God says, hey, let's not talk to your spouse that way. And that spirit of God says, hey, let's not talk to your parents that way. And that spirit of God says, hey, you know what? That person at work that's a jerk, they're a jerk because they're lost. And they're hungover, and their team stinks this year. So have a little bit of grace with them. And you know what you do? The Lord goes, okay. I'm done talking. You ever think maybe sometimes God's silent because there's some things that we need to turn? Maybe change our, change our mind on a little bit? It was in Saul's life, and by the way, he dies without hearing from God. Terrible way to go. Terrible way to go. Can I say this, though? It's not always because of some kind of sin in your life. Sometimes that's what it is. But can I say this? Look, if you would, at Matthew 15. Sometimes the Lord does it to teach us persistence. <laughs> you live in a day and age where I don't know. I don't want to know. Don't correct me later. Okay. I don't know if it's swipe left or swipe right. I have no idea. These dating apps, boom, there's the love of my life. Or there's a Craigslist murderer. I don't know. <laughs> but, but here's the point. You get so used to getting what you want at a click of a button. I mean, I remember for years, my girls were doing DoorDash. And I'm like, sounds complicated. They're like, no, Dad, just a couple buttons. I'm like, eh, I'll just go order it myself. I'll talk to a human being. Fast forward two years. Sipping on my milkshake. <laughs> Praise the Lord, you know. You know what we're so used to? I mean, the other day, I ordered, what was it, a book. Last Sunday, uh, last Saturday night, I ordered a book. Saturday night, it was on my doorstep by 7 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're like, all right, God, let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah, 
uh, I asked a preacher one time, Philip something, he was a great New England preacher, and they, he was real, he's a real quiet guy normally, but this one Sunday he was just kind of irritable. Preachers get ornery too. And uh, it's hard for you to imagine, but th- they asked him, what is your problem? He said, here's my problem. I'm in a hurry, and God's not. You know what I think sometimes? Young ladies, let me talk to you for just a moment. You hear, eh, you're taken, so whatever. <laughs> you, all right, good luck to you, Sarah, all right? All right. Uh, still you, all right, you're not a young lady. All right, over here, all right. Let, let me say it like this. If you are always pursuing him, he doesn't have a job. And if you make it too easy to pursue you, now don't walk out of here and start doing psych ops on men, okay? <laughs> like, you know, I know some Christian girls like, hey, you want to share a Bible verse with me? You know, and then you like shake his hand and before you know it, you're like staring at each other's eyes and, and then he texts you and you're like, I'm not interested. Don't do that stuff to him, right? Doing that crazy psych ops. Don't, now, don't get quiet on me. It goes both ways. You know what the guys do? They kind of come in the back door through Instagram chat. And they go, hey, girl, saw you at summer camp last year. How are you doing? Talk to her dad. <laughs> All right? But, but girls on the other side, let me just say this much. In regards to the pursuit side, he should have something to pursue. If you're constantly pursuing him, you know what? I'll say it this way. What you make too easy to obtain will carry little value. Does this make any sense? Do you think that maybe showing yourself half naked on, on social media is going to make it a little too easy for him to go, ah, she's easy, and therefore he does not value you as you should? Can I get a witness? So, so what, I'm, what I'm getting at is this. We come to God and we go, God, I'm here. All right, you show up. And the Lord's like, well, I'm trying to teach you some things, and, and, and I want you to learn some of my character. And by the way, the character of God is to be long-suffering and merciful. Aren't you thankful that God is long-suffering? What that means is this. When you mess up, he doesn't go, just go and blow you away to smithereens. It's called the long-suffering and patience and mercy of God. I am thankful for that. Here's where my thankfulness and gratitude ends for that. When he makes me wait. Can I get a witness? Well, God, I came and I asked, and I don't get what the big deal is. I mean, I asked for it, and we know that he heareth us. And and 1 John says, we ask anything in his will, he heareth us. Lord, I know, (laughs) because because if it's my will, it has to be your will. I know that this is your will, and I'm asking for it, and therefore, and God just goes, you're like, Lord, what's going on? Maybe he wants you to learn some persistence. No, no, bear with me. You know what kids will do? Dad, when are we going to go to Universal Studios? Uh, in a year. Next week, Dad, when are we going to Universal Studios? <laughs> Still a year. Next week, Dad, when are we going to... And this thing goes on. It's like, dude, go scoop some poop or something right now. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> but you know what that kid's thinking about? You know what that kid's doing? Expressing persistence. I'm going to keep asking because eventually it's going to be that day. <laughs> I, you know, I've got, Lord, why don't you call us home? What? Things are crazy. Lord, what a mess this world is. And you know what? And listen, listen. I, I know, I know, I know. So, someone out there probably has figured out, I don't know when the Lord's coming back. You got to live like he's coming back today. 
All right, live like that today. Now, listen, we are not in a cult. Go sell your house, you know, put white robes on and stand on top of Mount Evans uh, waiting for the Lord to come back. No, he said, occupy till I come. Work your job, go to school, do what God's told you to do, preach the gospel, be a witness. But you know what I do? Lord, is it going to be, Lord, uh, you know what? Because someday with enough asking from his kids, he's coming back. (laughs) You say, what is that called? Persistence. Look at Matthew 15. Look, if you would, at verse number 21. Matthew 15, verse number 21. You know how long some of you have done the things the way you've done them? For decades. And then I, I asked the Christian, how's it going? Well, I asked God to remove this thing from me, and he didn't remove it. All right, well, when did you ask God that? Last week. Okay, so you, you took four decades of your life to put that there. And now you want God to just come in and scoop it out. Do do you recognize that some of that scooping out involves you? And maybe God's not answering it all at one time because he knows the pain it would cause you to do it all at once. And he's careful and he's gentle. And he just stands back and he goes, I'm going to hold on my answer. Here in Matthew chapter 15, there's a story about a guy knocking on his neighbor's door. Look, if you would, verse number 21, then Jesus went thence and I'm sorry, departing the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, sorry, different passages. Behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Can you imagine that mom's grief? Now, watch this. Look at verse 23. What does Jesus do? Oh, boy. This woman's a Canaanite. This woman, according to Luke or Mark 7, is a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation. So now what you have, you have racial implications. Here's a Jew, a Gentile approaches him, and what does he do? He ignores her. Boy, CNN and everybody else would be all (laughs) over that. Jewish leader that professes to be the Messiah, leading a cult of 12 men, (laughs) ignores the, the cries of this Gentile woman. What do you think about that? Well, I just think if I was him, I wouldn't do that, you know. And and the the thing goes on and on and on. That's where we'd be at today. He answers her not a word. And then he tells the disciples, he doesn't even acknowledge her. He goes, hey, guys, we're not called to them. We're called the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And and it's not me. She keeps bugging. Well, ladies, let me tell you, it's not me for me to take the crumbs that fall from the table. It's not for me for me to to, to cast our food of the dogs. And she goes, yeah, but but I'll, I'll eat the crumbs that fall from the table. Say, what is that? Persistence. Can I ask you something? What's your prayer life like? Dear Lord, bless this food. Thank you for it. Thank you for my family. Thank you for our church. Thank you for Amen. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you for the day. Oh Lord, I pray you save that person in Jesus' name. Amen. And Lord goes, okay. So you had how much screen time? And and you had how much time watching that game? No, but Lord, I watched the condensed version. It was only an hour and a half, I swear. <laughs> and the Lord's like, and, and, and we're rushing this because why? Well, listen, I'll tell you what. If my kids walked in and said, Dad, how are you? It is good to see you. I'm so glad you made it home today. Amen. And walked away. I'd be like, what's wrong with him? <laughs> but that's how you approach your prayer life. 
And they're like, God, how come you're not answering? Let me tell you something. One of the characteristics of the nature of God, the Bible says, add to your faith what? Virtue and a virtue knowledge and a knowledge what? Eventually it gets to patience and you don't get to godliness without getting to patience first. Some of you, if I were to ask the question, who wants to be more like Jesus? Some of you are like, I ain't raising my hand. I know this is a trick. (laughs) Joe's like, I'm smart. I'm just going to nod my head. I won't raise my hand (laughs) because... That way, if he asks, I was just stretching my neck, you know. Just... <laughs> Maybe doing the Kyle Stevens thing, you know, it's like this. If you, if you want to be more like Jesus Christ, you know what it's going to take? Patience. Can I close with this thought? Jesus Christ was put into the judgment hall. His beard is ripped out put a cat and nine tails on his back, and they start mocking him. They smack him around. They say, who pro- who, hey, prophet, why don't you prophesy? Who smacked you? And then he goes in front of Pontius Pilate. Oh, let's backtrack. Judas shows up, and he greets him, and he says, hey, friend. Boy, I can tell you, most of us would not have that F word in mind. <laughs> hey, friend. We're not going anywhere yet. Put the keys away. They handcuff him. What happens after that? He's quiet. They take him before Pontius Pilate, and Pilate says, hey, don't you know I've got power to take your life? You know, the Bible says he answered him not a word. He finally, he finally says, you know, the only power you have is from above. But he never addresses all the accusations. Learn that, Christian. If you spend your life trying to address every accusation someone has for you, you won't live the Christian life. You know what Jesus does? He's quiet. He's silent. He answers not a word. Then they put him on the cross. Hey, you saved others. Why don't you save yourself? I'd have some words for those people. He was silent. You know, I thought about this. Why was he silent? You know what some of you would say, and rightfully so. The scripture said he would be as a lamb led to the slaughter, and he opened not his mouth. That's Bible, right? In the Old Testament, Isaiah 53. Question, why was that prophesied about him? I've thought about this all week. You know what? The only answer I can come up with, maybe if Jesus starts expounding the scriptures on them and just lays everything out, they put their arms down, they take him out of the cuffs, and they go, he's right, we're wrong, and you're not saved. So you know what the Lord does? He's silent. Why? For your salvation. And then when that son hangs on that cross and he cries out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Boy, do you know what a legion is? A legion is 5,000 Roman soldiers. Jesus says, I can call 12 legions of angels and just wipe this off. 60,000 angels, you think that's, uh, you take one angel, they could, well, one angel kills 100,000 plus people in the Old Testament, 700,000 people. You, you're going to tell me the Lord needs 60? He said, I could call it and it just, we're done. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? If you're here and you've never been born again, do you know why God, the, someone may say, Pastor, where was God? Why was God silent when this happened in my life? You know where God is? You know where, why God was silent? Just like he was silent when they put his son on the cross. He didn't say a word. He could have uttered the truth and just blown everyone away and his son walk off that cross but you wouldn't be here you know when you consider the silence of God
Do you understand? There's more going on. God being silent doesn't mean God's not working. You know what the atheist will say? Well, if there's a God, then have him show up. He did 2,000 years ago. And he rose from the dead. You say, well, well, what about all the atrocities that go on? God, let me just let me just help you out a little bit. God's not going to be silent forever. Amen. Someday he's going to show up and he's going to reveal himself and no one's going to miss it. Everyone's going to understand exactly who he is. Between now and that moment, Christian, let me say this. You're going to have moments of silence in your life. And yes, sometimes it's good to do some inventory. Sometimes understand God's trying to teach you to be more like him. Because if you aren't more like him, guess what? The miracle of your salvation stops with you. Because you're saved here. God didn't save you just to take up space. He saved you so that miracle could repeat itself. Every once in a while, rather than rushing into that throne room like God's Chick-fil-A or Starbucks and saying, okay, here's my order, let's go. Understand that you're dealing with an eternal being. And he knows what's best for you. Some of you came to church with some burdens. Heavy stuff. Stuff that no other person in this room can figure out for you but God. And you've gone, God, what about this? And what about this? And it just seems like God's silent. Can I say this? God's silence does not mean he's done with you. God might be saying, hey, there's something here I want you to kind of consider a little bit differently. Maybe he's saying, look, I want you to learn this economy more often. When I take that throne away, listen, Paul writes what he writes in 2 Corinthians 12, and he, he talks about the power of Christ resting upon him, and when I'm weak, then am, then am I strong, and all those things. Listen, he doesn't get any of that if God just goes, let me take that thing away. He besought the Lord thrice. Three times he goes to God and says, God, what about this? Lord, would you take this away? God, would you take this away? God, and the implication is that God did not answer until that third time, and God says, my grace is sufficient. You know what you don't know? Because here's how you think about it. Uh, he went to God Monday night and Tuesday night and Wednesday night. You know how I see it? He went to God 10 years ago. He went to God five years ago. See, you don't know how many years goes by before the Lord finally goes, my grace is sufficient. See, when you're going through it, you can't see it. But when you get on the other side, you go, oh. Christian, I don't know what you're looking to hear from God on. I want you to know his silence doesn't mean he's gone. And his silence doesn't mean he doesn't care. And if you're here without Jesus Christ, his silence doesn't mean he's dead. <laughs> Let's all stand, every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we come to you the best way we know how. We come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that you are truly a merciful God that delights in mercy. Father, I ask that you would... Uh, Lord, bless the service, Lord, the word of God that went out. Lord, I pray if there's anybody here without Jesus Christ, Lord, that they would understand, Lord, that maybe there has been some hardship in their life and they wondered where you were. Or maybe they would just for a moment consider that very same thing, that very same silence is what pleads for their mercy. Rather than God rushing to judgment year after year, the sin that we commit, Lord, and you put up with us. I pray that there's a, a person here that's lost without Jesus Christ, they would consider that. 
And rather than rushing to judgment about your character, maybe consider a different side of this. That your silence is what gives them the opportunity to not just be ushered right away into judgment. Lord, I pray for the believer that's struggling, maybe looking to get some answers. Lord, I pray that you would calm their hearts, still them, remind them that you're still working even when things are silent. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I'll ask this question. If you're here and you are a child of God, you're a born-again believer, could you slip up your hand and say, yep, that's me, I'm saved. I know I'm saved. Hands all over the place. That's awesome. Let me ask it this way. If you could not raise your hand and you're not sure if you're saved, you're not sure that today... If you died, that you'd be in heaven. That God's your father, that heaven's your home, that your sins are washed away. Can I just throw it out like this? Maybe, maybe today, God's using this tiny moment of silence because our lives are just bombarded with noise. And he's using this tiny moment of silence to go, hey, let's address that. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here today and you've never been saved and you'd like to be saved, you'd like to know that peace that comes from being born again, I won't point you out. I won't drag you down here. It's not how it works. But I would like to pray for you. Would you be willing to slip up your hand and go, yep, I'd like to be saved. Amen. You see it? I appreciate that honesty. Let me, let me give you this. It's been 2,000 years since Jesus left this earth. His words haven't changed a bit. His promise of eternal life hasn't lost its power. Jesus says, He that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Yeah, but you don't know what I've done and you don't know what I've been through. And I don't, but I can tell you this, God does. He's watched every bit of it. And even when you thought he wasn't watching and he didn't say anything, he saw it. And you know what he did? He brought you here today, kept you safe in your car, no accidents, so you could make it here and hear the word of God. If you're here and you've not been born again, can I, can I just invite you? When we say amen and the message is over and the service is over before you just run out of here I know it's late I recognize what time it is but before you leave here's what I'll do if you really want to be saved we'll be standing right by this door and if you're a young man or a man and you'd like someone to open up the Bible I'll be there if you're a young lady, we'll have one of our ladies stand there for you, okay? But don't leave this place without being saved. Literally, I'm not making this up. In 10 minutes, you can find out from the Bible how to be saved. Change your life. Talk about a great investment of time. 10 minutes turning into eternity? Yeah, I'll take it. Great way to, to end your week. Great way to start your week. If you're here and you're not saved... Meet us at the door. You say, what, what is that a picture of? Well, 
Jesus stands at the door and knocks. I know he's, it's the local church there in Revelation. I get that. I get it. Laodicea. But can we apply it for a moment spiritually? If you're, if you're here without Jesus Christ, he stands at the door and knocks at the door of your heart. And he says, hey, if you're willing to open it up, I'll show you what it means to be saved. I will give you my peace. I will give you my righteousness. I will give you my joy. I'll, I'll give you that sense of putting your hair on your pillow at night where everyone's talking about nuclear threat and this and that, World War III, blah, and you can just go, it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. I know what's after all this. I know where I'm headed. Amen. If that's you, don't leave today without getting that settled. We'll meet you right at that door. Christian, I, I pray that you never write the Lord off just because he doesn't respond right away. Sometimes he's silent for your good. He wants to help you become, listen, his goal is to fashion you into the image of Jesus Christ. You know what Christ was? Patient. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. See, we all, we all like God being long-suffering with us. We just have a hard time being long-suffering with the Lord on time. Amen. Hope you got something out of the Word of God today. And, uh, you know, I'm a big believer in coming as you are. We just pray that you leave differently than you came. Amen. Right? And we're not talking about the outside. We're talking about the inside, the heart. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And uh, if you are part of discipleship class, uh, I'll encourage you to make your way downstairs sooner than later to help set stuff up down there. We'll have lunch and fellowship. Uh, and then we'll be up uh, after that for our class uh, learning about the the latter part of that, that lesson on the mysteries uh, from the Bible. So let's go, Lord, in prayer. If you want to join us Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, we'll be having Bible study, continuing our series on spiritual warfare. And uh, pray that you come learn about that. Uh, the kids will not be doing DBC, but it sounds like uh, we'll have them come a little bit early to practice their song. So we'll announce that through the text messaging service as well. Parents, if that applies to you. Uh, let's go, Lord, in prayer. It's, uh, it's been good to, to be here today. The music was good. Spirit was good. Hearing from the missionary was good. All right? It was all good stuff. So let's ask God's blessing. Uh, Brother Naniger, it's good having you uh, from Ohio, right? All right? Uh, glad you made it out this way. And you've been staying with Joe? Have you been staying with Joe? Has it been hard? Yeah, amen, 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 amen. Go ahead, go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer, if you would, brother.